2: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DW report. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The
3: USA is in a crucial stage. Not because of foreign wars we wage. More to do with the colors blue and red. Any laws too much government? Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people try to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be left. I've got to be free. By the damned and Taking your right to self say you statements stable, but they don't make sense. Danger not All these only add to the All you is made out for short.
4: Welcome to today's broadcast of Tap into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever so humble host, Tim Tap, coming you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And I want to thank those of you who are indeed listening live. Appreciate it as always, but I know the overwhelming majority of folks that listen to this show are not listening live. Some of you are checking it out in podcast form, wherever you listen to podcasts, or maybe you're listening to one of the great radio stations that rebroadcast the show, whether that be the fine folks in Delta, Utah, KYAH 540 Utah's Talk Authority. Or if we're talking about WCET 101.7 FM, Columbia's Talk News Radio, or whether we're talking about High Point Radio 1690 AM in New Jersey, or even the fine folks at KDIL 105.7 FM in Kennewick, Washington, possibly even very, very soon. Another great station that hopefully we'll be getting cranked up in the next few days. In Flagstaff, Arizona So you guys welcome aboard uh, Until everything is official there Until all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed uh hold off on that But it seems like pretty much a A nearly done deal So we'll see where we're at with that uh, soon Before I dive into today's uh, Show want to give a shout-out to Ron Edwards today and thank him for having me on his broadcast as I was the guest on the Ed- Ron Edwards Experience. For those of you who did not catch it, well, just boogie on over to americamatters.us and get into their archives over there and listen up because it was pretty good. Okay. Uh, chat room suddenly popped alive as we've got Bigfoot and Crazy Cajun and Chief all in there uh, pretty much right on top of each other. But Chief managed to be first one in by mere milliseconds. Uh, so uh, welcome to the show, guys. Appreciate it. I uh, hope everybody is doing well. Uh, Cajun says he's multitasking. Amazing. I can still do that. Uh, and then says good evening to Biggie, a.k.a. Bigfoot. Uh, be sure to check out Bigfoot's uh, blogs over at com. You'd think I've done that enough by now that I wouldn't get tongue-tied occasionally saying it. Also, be sure to check out Chief's uh, radio show, known to the masses as Simple Facts of Life. It's a great program. Well worth your time. Trust me on that. And it's uh, relatively short, uh, just 30 minutes, and it's always, always worthwhile. Uh, of course, we missed you Wednesday night, Chief. Hope all was well. Uh, he was here Tuesday night. and was not here for the Wednesday night broadcast. And man, when you, when you start seeing the regulars who are almost always there, uh, <laughs> and Chief's saying, who cares if it's only milliseconds? First is first. Uh, <laughs> when you get used to seeing the regulars, you really miss it when they're not around. So uh, we missed you a lot, Chief. Glad you're back. Now. I, uh, in the show description, just put uh, this little section down near the end where it says, and hopefully, a special guest tonight. The reason I say that is because the last few times that I've had national guests scheduled, something has happened that has gotten in the way. Uh, in fact, we're supposed to have uh, Alan Dursa, rescheduled at this point. And uh, we're actually looking at – I think it's Tuesday at uh, 8.30 p.m., uh, so the Tuesday show in the second hour. Yeah, that's that's what we got at hand this upcoming Tuesday. But you know what? I'm already kind of doubting that that's going to happen because – well, he was named today as part of uh, Donald Trump's defense team. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I say that's probably going to get in the way. Now, by rights, by eight thirty p.m., which is scheduled time in you know, the bottom of the second hour, uh, you, you would think he would have a few moments. So we'll see. I mean I'm still going to try, but I'm, I'm getting kind of – if because yeah, it seems like even with folks like uh, Dr. Hartman not too long ago, we had two misses before we finally got him on, and I literally uh, put him in the title of the broadcast because he's usually such a big draw. And then, of course, the folks see that, and they listen, and they're like, well, Blair. blah. What happened there? So at any rate, the long and the short of it is, I have got rescheduled because we missed the first time. Uh, Miss Lauren Bobert. Now, Miss Lauren Bobert, of course, has been making national headlines before she challenged Robert Francis Beto O'Rourke uh, face-to-face, head-to-head over his claim that he's going to come take our ARs. He's going to take our guns. And she said, oh, no, you're not She made national headlines when she did that And now she's running for Congress In fact, she is trying to primary out A uh, long-standing uh, Republican Who served, I believe, four terms to this point point. And uh, it should be an interesting race, I think Now, I've got my fingers crossed So hopefully uh, we'll be able to get to get connected And everything be fine I see uh, Joseph Gibson's popped in the chat room So, uh Thank you so much uh, for joining us, Joe. been a little while since I've seen you in here. Of course, running your show, Understanding the Times in Which We Live in Today, quite the mouthful, (laughs) but a great title, and very apropos for the conversations and the topics they address. Uh, I know you've got your hands full with that, so uh, just glad to have you in here with us uh, for a change. Uh, Looking in, seeing that uh, Cajun said, wait, what? Tim's multitasking, too. He's on Ron Edwards Experience. Uh, <laughs> he must have been cloned. Well, yeah, I must have been cloned. Uh, because, actually, the uh, Ron Edwards Experience is being rebroadcast over at WCET tonight. In fact, I think right now at this moment, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is that right, Cajun? Uh, so, if... If anybody is listening there live at the time of the live broadcast, which of course is, uh, and I'll try not to time travel this time, Uh, it is January 17th, uh, 2020, and it's a few brief moments after 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Evidently the other day, I think it was on the 14th, instead of saying January, I said December. And she pointed that out to me when I was going through the recording for rebroadcast. I'm like, oh, no, I'm a time traveler, but uh, don't tell MV over at the radio station because he'll want me to be a guest. Uh, and he says, no, you're not simulcasting on an it. – it'll be – no, 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 I meant uh, Ron Edwards is over there. You're playing the Edwards – the Ron Edwards experience right now. That's That's what I said. But anyway, I, you know what? If I don't get started, I'm not going to get anywhere with these topics, and there's too much to talk about not to get there, and I'm really hoping to try and get some to, Although uh, Cajun did remind me – and I should probably go ahead and throw this out in case you hear this before this Sunday. We do a Sunday live show here.
5: <laughs>
4: yeah, so the Ron Edwards Experience is playing over there, and I was the guest today, so I'm actually on over there and here. So yes, i I'm time traveling again is what I'm actually doing. Yeah. Chief says Tim is competing with himself. And he'll, he'll lose the competition. The sad thing is the Chief is probably right. All right. So anyway, let's let's get started with the conversation because I am scheduled to be joined by Miss Brobart at the bottom of this first hour. So hopefully if that goes all as planned, we'll have that conversation. In the meanwhile, wanted to throw this out here. Have you ever been so bad at something that you just have no idea how to go about it? I mean even though everybody seems to think you are that thing, even though a group of political rivals, for example, maybe tries to convince the world, and maybe the mainstream media itself tries to convince the world also that you are something, but you're just you're just
3: really bad at it.
4: Which makes you wonder why anyone would believe the mainstream media and your political rivals. Well, one thing that comes to mind quite often when I ponder that question, and strangely enough, I pondered it way more often than most normal people should. Of course, then when did I say it was normal now that I think about it? But uh, one thing that comes to mind a lot when I ponder that question is uh, Donald J. Trump and – being a white supremacist. Donald J. Trump is really bad at being a white supremacist. Now, clearly, based on what Nancy Pelosi has told us a million times, based on what uh, Not Fredo over at CNN has told us a million times, based on what Don Lemon, the running cohort with uh, Not Fredo, has told us a million times, clearly we know Donald J. Trump is a white supremacist. I mean, he has to be. We have to believe the media, right? I mean that is one of those things that's right up there with Believe All Women, and uh, you know what I'm saying. But Donald Trump's really, really bad at it. I don't know if you've noticed. He's not real good at the hating Jews thing because he moved our embassy to – our U.S. embassy in Israel to Jerusalem, something that every president before him has promised over and over and over again since the creation of the current state of Israel. Um, he has actually been very favorable to his son-in-law who happens to be Jewish. In fact, I tend to think that his Jewish son-in-law has way too much influence over him, quite honestly. Uh, it, might, it might help him to just distance, this, but yeah, distance himself a bit, not become an anti-Semite, but uh, just a little distance in that particular case because Homeboy is a little too leaning to the left if you know what I mean. Now, uh, of course, he's given some fodder. You know, when he tried to take up for some decent folks in a certain city in Virginia, who just wanted to save their statue of Robert E. Lee, and they had their event hijacked by a national white supremacist group, and he tried to defend those original people by making a statement along the lines that there were some good people on both sides. He had that twisted and turned. Now, granted, for those of us who understand that Donald J. Trump's not necessarily the most precise of communicators, we give him the benefit of the doubt and understand what he's trying to say. And we understand it. A lot of folks, a lot of commentators, particularly folks, surprising to me, conservative commentators, now no longer acknowledge the fact that this event. which led to the loss of life because somebody got cray-cray and was trying to run a car through a crowd. Um, It seems like everybody has missed the point that when Donald J. Trump said that, it was clear he wasn't talking about the white supremacists. He continues to do things that don't really make white supremacists happy. Well, here's another example of him being a very, very bad white supremacist. I think he should give it up. Uh, Ahead of the planned protest against Virginia Democrats and their four new gun control bills that are upcoming, the FBI announced uh, that they have arrested three people who are alleged
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
6: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps)
2: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry.
6: In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: And we have to use that phrasing at this point because this is still America and, you know innocent until proven guilty and all that, Uh, three people who are allegedly members of a racist and anti-Semitic group that were, in fact, preparing for a race war. Now, if Donald J. Trump was really the white supremacist that the media and Nancy and Chucky and all those folks really, really want to convince us that he is, Instead of arresting them, why wasn't he like giving them the aid he didn't want to give to the Ukraine? Because uh, you know that's what a white supremacist would do. Let's funnel them money. Let's funnel them guns. Let's build a wall around them so they, uh, they they can easily get out. But to keep out the would be not white supremacists that are looking for a race war. <sighs> anyway. The charges against the alleged members of this white ethno-nationalist group – I'd say that ten times fast – include federal gun charges as well as alien harboring charges that were related to helping one of the suspects, who just so happens to be a Canadian citizen, trying to help him get into the country here illegally. Now, the char- the charges were announced Thursday – And they grew from an investigation into a collection of online extremists who refer to themselves as the base, which is the English translation of the Al-Qaeda. Now, I'm not exactly sure why that's relevant (laughs) except, of course, when it comes to something being uh, published in the Washington Post… Uh, any opportunity to make white nationalists or white supremacists look bad they're going to take that chance cuz you know they're just trying to connect it again i will point out that white nationalist does not automatically equal white supremacist it's it's not a comparable term despite the media's effort to make it such that's how they bridge the gap between donald trump and the kkk anyway according to experts who track hate groups Its members promote racist views and seek to unite different hate groups in preparation for a race war. Officials said that Brian Mark Lemley Jr. and William Bilborough IV, both of Maryland, were charged with transporting an alien and conspiring to harbor an alien. Uh, Lemley is also charged with transporting a machine gun. Uh, also charged is Patrick Matthews, who's been living in Newark, Delaware, and he's accused of transporting a firearm and ammunition with the intent to commit a felony. Now, the Post also reports that Matthews is a former member of the Canadian Army Reserve who went missing back in August, having allegedly crossed illegally into the U.S., meeting Limley and uh, Billborough. in Michigan before they traveled back to Maryland and Delaware, and they also served in the military as a U.S. Army scout. Now, it seems to me like if these boys were getting the kind of quality training we used to give them, uh, the FBI would not have known these folks were even around. Just saying. Uh, If you're actually a scout and you were an old-school scout, you know how to lay low, and you know how to send messages without getting caught… So anyway, the 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 uh, story here continues as uh, Limley, Matthews, and Bilborough are members of a white supremacist organization named the Base. I feel like the Base should probably have its own theme song. Uh, maybe
3: I don't know, uh,
4: "Coded Frosty the Snowman." Yeah, because Frosty's snow, so he's white. Or, ooh, ooh, you know, they could use code names like instead of saying, we're having a meeting, they could say, going to see Elizabeth Warren. Because, as you know, Elizabeth Warren is actually whiter than a snowman. As I continue, though, the uh, complaint against these suspects reads as follows Quote, within the base's encrypted chat rooms, Members have discussed, among other things, recruitment, creating a white ethnostate, committing acts of violence against minority communities, including African-Americans and Jewish-Americans, the organization's military-style training camps, and ways to make improv explosive device. I think it should be improvised, but uh, they... Yeah, this is what happens when I don't read far enough ahead (laughs) to make improvised explosive devices. So the complaint states that the FBI agent witnessed Limney firing a machine gun he and Matthews constructed at a gun range in Maryland back on January 2nd. So they constructed a machine gun. Ooh, obviously they're dangerous. Now, the arrest came ahead of the protests that are planned to begin this upcoming Monday at the state's capital in Virginia with the intent of protesting the uh, big gun control laws that are being pushed by the Democrats there, including but not limited to Governor Blackface. I mean Northam. And, uh, of course, the whole protest is uh, supposed to include pro-Second Amendment uh, folks.  … … from both the left and the right, because believe it or not, there are still some folks that lean slightly to the to the left that think, hey, you know what? Law-abiding citizens probably should uh, be able to carry a, a firearm. Now, while the Second Amendment protesters are frequently assumed to be from the right, uh, there was a, a reporter with Vice that said that members of the far left Antifa say that they also are planning to attend the rally next week in Richmond, but not because they intend to harass the right-wingers. Now, that would be nice if that came to fruition. Uh, Not that I support Antifa in any fashion or any degree whatsoever. They are essentially terrorists by rights. It's a good thing when you can see folks that clearly believe in the Second Amendment regardless of the political ilk, but I don't think it really helps to cause much of reasonable, day-to-day average American citizens who just want to be left alone by the government uh, should have the right to bear arms when it's the, the far fringe loons that show up and want to make a big deal about it. Anyway, uh,
3: Antifa's
4: S- Stephen Hills, uh, based in Richmond, uh, this is Seven Hills, Antifa's Seven Hills, based in Richmond, are opposing the slew of gun bills introduced by the newly Democratic legislature since last November because they say those types of laws are used primarily to criminalize poor people. Minorities and leftists, and to bolster law enforcement's power. Ooh, Well, you know what? That's – you leave out the criminalized poor people, whiny, uh, completely inintelligible, and intellectually void arguments and go back to the tilt power too much towards the side of government. And I think you'll find everybody on both sides that are still pro-Second Amendment would agree. Because basically that's what's happening. So the local Antifa chapter engagement in this issue is another example of the resurgence of pro-gun leftists in America and yet more evidence that gun rights debate is growing increasingly politically diffuse and nuanced beyond simple being a GOP issue. That's what they had the intellectual capability of writing In the Vice article. Now, I don't know if you guys spend very much time uh, with Vice. I wouldn't recommend it necessarily, but if that's your thing, hey, I wouldn't tell you don't. What I would like to say, though, is as it plays down, it really comes down to a few basic, simple, fundamental things. The Second Amendment is vital to this country regardless of your rationale for it. I don't like the fact that people who have full intentions of conducting violence are wanting to jump on board, but at the end of the day, what the Democrats want to do in the state of Virginia is create a template. What they want to do within the state of Virginia is to show the other Democratic-controlled states how they can go about their business of trying to create this untainable situation. They want to attack the Second Amendment in its truest forms. They want to take away your rights to own a gun. They want to take away your rights to possess a gun, and they want to do it in any fashion that's viable. If you've noticed, everything that they're trying to push in Virginia is things that they've been trying in other states independently. They've never tried to push so much at one time before. What really, really bothers me about this whole bit in Virginia is the fact that uh, there seems to be overreaction on both sides. you got Governor Blackface, I mean Northam, who's already trying to declare a state of emergency. He wants to ban all guns from the protest. Big surprise. He wants to ban all guns from the state. He doesn't have that right. He doesn't have that authority. And like all the other crybaby, minor lefties that are part of the Democratic Party there that think they're going to be able to threaten the sheriffs, think they're going to be able to use the National Guard, who think that the National Guard is going to follow those orders, they don't seem to understand that there are limits to the authority of government in this country. There's also been this major… Uh, and I guess it's a good thing, but it's a bit of an awakening on the side of the Democrats who elected these people, the the voters, the people who said, yeah, yeah. I want to ask specifically the folks listening in Virginia. And I know there's a good number of you because I look at the I look at the stats. I see Virginia usually pretty high on the list of state by state breakdown. I want to ask any of you who may have voted for one or more of these Democrats and put them in a position to try and take your guns from you, and suddenly now you're upset about it. Why didn't you believe them when they told you they wanted to take your guns? Because they did. They were upfront about it. They told you. Were you not paying attention? Were you not listening? Were you not able to cut through the double talk, the, the, the political doublespeak? The 1984 newspeak, were you not able to cut through that? Does it not make sense to you? Did you not understand? It comes down to a very simple, simple thing that I try to remind you guys a lot of times. If somebody is going to sit there and tell you what they want to do, rather than just assume that somehow they don't mean it or they'd never actually do it, take them at their word. Yeah, you know, I, I putting aside the idea that obviously you can tell if somebody's joking or not, when these people are running for political office, uh, they may tell a joke or two giving a, a stump speech, but you can expect that they, if they're telling you straight-faced what it is they want to do, take them at their word. When somebody tells you that they want to kill you because you believe something different than they do, take them at their word. That shouldn't be so difficult. All right. So uh, at this point, I'm going to do the uh, Edwards Notebook and then the Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans tip of the day. Still haven't got the new one yet, and I have reached back out. So I'm not sure why I haven't got the new one there yet, but we'll keep doing uh, the other one. So you guys don't go anywhere. I'll be right back, and hopefully at the other side of this, we'll have tonight's guest. I say hopefully because – well, I explained that earlier. Not had the best of luck getting these scheduling things worked out lately. Stay with me, though, I will be right back.
5: 125 years ago, what used to be sovereign Americans were not required to get permission from Big Mama government to simply own a home. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook. If the United States were in practice the land of the free, we the people would not have to pay government extortion via licensing to simply drive a transportation vehicle, purchase a transportation vehicle, go fishing to collect rainwater, to cut hair, to renovate your own home, to actually own your home or open and run a business. If our republic turned mob rule democracy was the land of liberty, you wouldn't need government licensing to own and bear arms, to set up eliminate stand. Unfortunately, because many Americans have been dummied down to accept and expect unconstitutional and government intrusion, there is almost nothing we can do without government extortion and hoping we can get their permission to conduct our own lives. If you believe you are free, may God help you escape your delusion. Or if you don't know your rights, you don't have any. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.talkspot.com for news updates and other great stuff. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition.
4: All right. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen.
5: Ch- With Lucky Land
0: Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Chumba. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: Gentlemen, I am back from that very brief break, and I want to thank each and every one of you guys out there that are listening. And you're in for a treat right now, as I do have on the line with me the, uh, the restaurateur that made some headlines. Uh, not only because of the restaurant that she and her husband operate in their hometown of Rifle, Colorado, but also because she heard Robert Francis O'Rourke, uh, the widest name possible, short of Elizabeth Warren, uh, but wants to be called Beto because he wanted to be, uh, you know, special he wanted to be part of a protected class. Thankfully, he's not in the race anymore, but he swore he was going to take our AR-15s. He was going to take our guns. And this Young lady stepped up and said, I'm an American, I'm a Coloradan, and I'd be dadgummit if I'm going to let you take my guns. You say hell yeah, I say hell no. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Miss Lauren Bobert. Miss Bobert, can I call you Lauren? Is that all right? Of course. How are you this evening? All right. How are you this evening?
6: I am really great. I'm just fired up. I have been with. Uh, energized and engaged Americans uh, every single day. I've been traveling Colorado and, you know, people are just ready to uh, just embrace what's happening and take the next steps to redirect what's going on in our state and in our nation.
4: All right. Now, you're involved in a uh, race that's – a primary race right now that's not going to be settled until June, and then you can focus on your Democratic opponent. And uh, right now you're facing uh, the incumbent, the the gentleman who's held that uh, position, uh, Scott Tipton. Uh, He's been there – I think it's what, four – four terms, terms. yeah. Terms was the word I was looking for. Thank you.
3: Uh,
4: (laughs) And uh, he's – He's managed to build himself with that war chest, of course, and he's managed to build himself some name recognition. But I think you've kind of uh, caught up on name recognition really quick, largely due to the national uh, news. And what's been amazing to me is even with their efforts to try and poo-poo the fact that you have one of the most unique restaurants in the country, and I love the concept, Mm -hmm. by the way. I think everybody should open carry. As often as possible, we actually have open carry here in Tennessee, but there are so Mm -hmm. few people that actually do it, people freak out if you even try. So, uh, first of all, how has the general reaction been, and are you pleased so far with the national attention, and more importantly, with the way the media has treated you in your home state of Colorado?
6: Oh, my goodness. So, uh, the response has been absolutely overwhelming, And completely humbling Uh, like I had mentioned there just everyone is ready for a change we're tired of the direction things are going we're tired of waking up to uh, AOC directing the narrative for our our country and you know it's just time for we the people to step up and really become engaged in our government we elect these officials to secure our rights and that's just not happening and so I am Just very much passionate about our country about our constitution i obviously am pro second amendment i am pro freedom and now i'm ready to head to congress and tell aoc and these left-wing lunatics that we don't want green new deal or socialized medicine we want freedom and and that's really the response that i'm getting from people all over and then as far as media goes you know i mean that's that's always a toss-up, you know, how are they going to direct the story? But I believe uh, that reporters have been extremely fair, and uh, it, it's, uh, honestly, I have seven plaques coming with stories. I'm so pleased with the way they were written, if you want to know. Uh, but, you know, just there's something in the atmosphere right now that people know they need to change. We want to support President Trump. Uh, like never before, you know, just more than ever and ensure that his policies are really being um, supported to the best of the ability. You know, I don't want to be in office and undermine my president uh, when he's trying for border security and then maybe have an awful vote for amnesty and give a billion dollars of taxpayer dollars uh, to, to illegal immigrants' housing. You know, I want to support the president rather than undermine his policies.
4: Go ahead. Okay. Well, and since you're talking about policies, uh, obviously very pro-Second Amendment, obviously very pro-conservative values based on what I'm hearing. Yeah. Is there anything else policy-wise that you've put, added to your platform to this point, or are you still basically – formulating what your overall platform is going to be because technically it's still pretty early in this race. I mean, you've been doing it Mm -hmm. and you're getting into it, but you still have plenty of time to formulate it. Have you gotten to where you're developing other uh, platform points that you uh, want to make your own?
6: Absolutely. So uh, policy is extremely important to me. I have just begun to release my contract with Colorado and I'm releasing that point by point. I have 10 points that I'm going to dive into in detail to let my voters know exactly how I will vote when I am their congresswoman. Uh, you can uh, follow that at laurenforcolorado.com or on our Facebook page, Lauren Bobert for Congress. But you know, more important than just policy itself is the foundation i am a conservative republican i am pro-constitution and if if it doesn't align with the constitution then you know there's really there's really not too much to that policy and so uh you know just the first point in my contract with colorado that i touched on is i work for the people i put america first i don't work for special interest groups i don't have these special PACs that are backing me, this is grassroots. I don't work for Washington, D.C., I work for my constituents constituents. and uh, just beginning to release this with them and then um, just reminding them my second point that uh, we don't mess with the Constitution. That is our foundation and as my representative, it's my job to secure our rights and defend the Constitution as it is written and I won't let them take away any of our freedoms, and that certainly includes our guns. I'll always stand up for uh, freedom of speech, our First Amendment. You know, it's first for a reason, and then just in case that doesn't work, we have the Second Amendment. Uh, but, you know, just putting the beginning to release this to the public, I think, is really important. All
4: right. Well, I, I <laughs> certainly couldn't disagree with you. Uh, as far as this goes, though, uh, obviously – you're feeling underrepresented uh, by Mr. Tipton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember seeing while I was uh, trying to prep for uh, our, uh, our our conversation this evening where you had mm-hmm. talked about uh, his service on some of the committees. And more importantly, one of the big ones that kind of stuck with me was that he did not uh, vote to defund Planned Parenthood. And mm-hmm. it, that's one of those big Issues to me for a long time, even before I had any idea, before I had dug into the depravity that Planned Parenthood really is, the the, the whole eugenics concept that Miss uh, Margaret Sanger had when she created it, when I had no idea that they were the big evil things that they are, and thought mm-hmm. maybe they are organization out here actually trying to help people. I still had issues then with our federal government sending taxpayer dollars to help supplement somebody who by that time was getting plenty of private sector donations too. They don't need Mm -hmm. tax dollars. Why should we be giving them tax dollars? Uh, Is there any pet projects like that that you really want to go tackle? Uh, Anything that's already on your radar, something that you start working on day one, once you're sworn in and have your office set up and, get to start uh, doing the great job of representing the people of Colorado?
6: Well, day, day one would absolutely be anything that secures our rights and our freedoms. And, you know, this this bill that you're uh, referencing, um, I believe we're talking about um, the bill that passed the House September 30th of 2015, and that's um, 277-151, and, you know, that, that is um, to defund Planned Parenthood and for me that was um, just a very disturbing no vote when we have other conservative representatives here in colorado at a federal level who uh i'm sorry voted he voted yes i'm sorry about that um and who voted no to this you know they didn't want to fund planned parenthood we have ken buck who uh with uh freedom works has a 99 percent conservative rating we have representative Doug Lamborn who has a 91% conservative rating and unfortunately my opponent his conservative rating is only 69% and it's because of votes like this and so I feel like that's why a lot of us here on the western slope of Colorado are feeling underrepresented we could have this wonderful trifecta of conservative representation right here in Colorado giving voice to our state on a federal level and honestly if you've ever been to Colorado western slope where i live we should be leading in conservative values that's certainly the vibe that you get from the people but unfortunately it's not what we're seeing in our leadership but i am willing to change that i'm here i'm stepping up to do exactly that and you know as far as uh committee go committees uh, go i i did mention that at one point that um the congressman said that he was on a committee where maxine waters was the head Uh, 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 the chair of the committee and AOC was on the committee and Rashida Tlaib. And he said, this is the world we live in and they're directing the ship. And I just, I kind of got disheartened and frustrated. Um, I said, ma'am, why aren't you directing the ship? Minority or not, you need to be prepared to come to your people and give us a battle plan, tell us what we need to do to redirect the ship back to the Constitution and back to these conservative values. And so that's really what I wanna do when I get into office is redirect the narrative. You know, I wake up every day happy, happy that Hillary Clinton is not our president. And then I get even happier knowing that Donald Trump is our president. And, you know, so we can, we have so much backing us and we could really take America back and it's very encouraging. And that's why I am stepping up right now. And, you know, people who are feeling the same thing on the inside of them that want to step up and get engaged, well, they can start by helping us. They could go to laurenforcolorado.com and join this movement, which is already encouraging so many others to step out into their position.
4: Well, I, I know you're going to have to go soon. I know you're very busy uh, balancing everything, and I appreciate it. And I, I think you kind of touched on some of the other questions I had uh, for you anyway, uh, because I was going to commend you on hearing uh, Robert Francis uh, make his statement and deciding that it wasn't good enough to just stay there and, and, and yell at the TV or, or just, what's right. wrong with that guy? you you decided you were going to go in person you were going to have that conversation and you guys are you're yes. so committed to your beliefs so i i hope that that's the energy that's contagious and i wish you all the luck good 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 luck very much success and hopefully hopefully we can get back together and talk again as we discuss your victory in the general yes. election in november because i would very Lord much love Jesus. to have you back on all and, right oh, and, and uh, I'm, I'm, it,
6: sorry you know, no, if I ahead. may, uh, just with the whole Beto O'Rourke, I just felt uh, that it would have been very selfish of me not to step up. I knew that there were millions of, Amer- of Americans that needed their voice heard on this subject, and I wanted to be that one that stood up for them and spoke on their behalf. I, we're busy people. I get it. And uh, it's not always easy to leave what you're doing to go and tell a presidential candidate what you're feeling about his policies. But in my opinion, for me, it was it would have been very selfish to stay home and not speak up for millions of Americas, Americans all across this country.
4: All right. Hey, Lori, do you have time for one more quick question because somebody in the chat room yes, has I one. And I think it's – yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, we've got Joseph Gibson in the chat room, and he wants to know your opinion on whether you think the uh, red flag laws that currently exist in Colorado are constitutional.
6: No. <laughs> they are <laughs> very much unconstitutional i was actually just at a meeting with our uh sheriff in mesa county talking about red flag laws no they violate our first or second third fourth fifth sixth seventh and 14th amendments and uh honestly um i will do everything i can on a federal level to protect our second amendment rights um i've already done that just as a citizen as a mom as a business owner when our president started um hinting around with federal red flag laws I was on the phone all throughout the day for multiple days calling saying, do not do this. We did not elect you to do this. You need to secure our Second Amendment rights. My waitresses at Shooter's Grill with their guns on their hips, if they didn't have tables, they were on the phone calling the White House, telling the president, do not move forward with red flag laws. Uh, They are completely unconstitutional, and it's just a, a complete invasion. It's really the worst and you know here in Colorado whenever a federal uh, red flag law was brought up my opponent vowed to remain neutral on the subject and uh, so I just want to say right now there is no way that I would ever be neutral with our enumerated rights being trampled on this is not just a Second Amendment right issue I just listed a whole slew of our protected rights our
4: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean that is the one thing the, – the primary reason why we really do need a federal response at this point is these rights that have been enshrined in our constitution that were granted us by God and laid out specifically yeah. as the responsibility of our government to protect them at all costs are being trampled on left and right because some people have an agenda that it it, it does – it's not about the guns. It's not about Mm -hmm. health care. It's about control. It's just that simple.
6: Yes. So uh, again uh, – Our founders put the Bill of Rights in there. Uh, And and they made it known that government did not give us these rights. Our creator gave us these rights, and government, you keep your hands off of them. Government, we're going to give you some stuff. We're we're going to loan you over some rights, but these things right here in the Bill of Rights, you don't touch these. You don't get to regulate them. You keep your hands off of them. And I guess it's kind of like the forbidden tree. They just want to get in there and metal it all up and <laughs> just take uh, off every piece of it that they can.
4: And uh, I'm going to the, tell them hell ins- no,
6: just like I told Beto.
4: <laughs> all right. I mean, the most insidious part about red flag laws, though, is they try to play it off like it's reasonable. And, and you're the one being unreasonable if you want to say mm-hmm. no. And that's part of the danger. So I, I appreciate your candor and your passion on it. And uh, one more time, Lauren, before we uh, part company here, uh, throw out that website. Let folks know uh, how they can help support your candidacy if they're so inclined.
6: Yes, well, uh, your folks there in Tennessee can certainly go to keepourguns.com uh, to join this movement, support my candidacy, and see what I'm doing to secure their rights. And with these red flag laws uh You know they really are in the name of mental health and safety but especially here in colorado there's nothing to address mental health uh it's a judge who determines determines if a person is mentally stable or not and so in colorado with red flag laws you're no longer guilty uh, or excuse me you're no longer innocent until proven guilty you are now insane until proven sane so uh, i would encourage your listeners to go to keepourguns.com to learn more and to join this movement. I need supporters. I need donations. I'm going up an incumbent who's got uh, some deep D.C. pack to fund him, and I just have uh, th- these great American people supporting me. So keepourguns.com.
4: All right. Like I said before, uh, good luck, and I do hope we get to talk again, uh, pres- yes. preferably after a victory. Uh, thank you for your time, <laughs> Lauren, and God bless. Thank you. This and great. God, God bless you.
6: Yes,
4: sir. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that is, uh, Miss Lauren Boebert. And like I said, that there are a ton of videos. Uh, you can go to YouTube if you're so interested. I do have the link to her, uh, campaign site in the show description here today. If you're at the BTR platform and you can link there and she's got some of that, uh, also, but I would just recommend going ahead and, uh, hopping onto YouTube and just search the name and watch um, because there's videos of her that are focused on just the restaurant. Uh, CNN and uh, uh, Dateline uh, in particular have a couple of the longer pieces directed towards her. Uh, There's local media that interviewed her and uh, just wanted to kind of take her to task. And uh, in some of those, especially those first interviews, she's kind of actually looks like she belongs in dc a little bit kind of sidestepping the issues a little bit not a direct answer but because the questions were pointed uh some of that was actually uh accounted for i think ultimately she's clearly still getting better at that part and i love the opportunity to get some of these folks on here early and get them some of that experience we've done that with a few other folks and and again, I really like her passion, and I like her commitment. Uh, clearly, she's a Second Amendment activist regardless of what else happens. There's no question. And clearly, she's not satisfied with somebody who just has an R at the end of their name uh, representing the a district when they seem to be playing a more tempered, more middle-of-the-road approach. She's absolutely right. There are parts of Colorado that should be as red as your American blood, you know you're a red-blooded American, right? And the the whole reason why Colorado's become a uh, purple and now a bluish color, not completely blue, but a bluish state, is they've had a lot of people migrate from California, where they ruined that state, and they were looking for someplace else, and they never. Never got it in their heads that maybe the reason California got so bad was because of the way we were voting. Maybe the reason Colorado, uh, California got so bad was because of the policies that we thought sounded great and we let these people do and we voted for the people that promised these things. And we still don't understand because Colorado was such a great state when we first moved there. We don't see it falling apart yet, but we don't understand why we're starting to see <laughs> that direction. You know, it was absolutely shameless. What Beto O'Rourke did. Robert Francis, when he was there, he was trying to play off on the tragedies of Columbine and of the Aurora, Colorado theater shooting. He was trying to jimmy up additional support and make the people of Colorado feel like this tragedy was here because of guns. Now, the tragedy was there because people made bad choices. People who could not legally acquire firearms still managed to get their hands on firearms, and people who have not been taught that you don't deal with bullies by taking a gun to school, people who haven't been taught that video games aren't real live… People who haven't been taught that there are consequences for your actions and that the best thing that you can do, the best skill you can develop as a young person is to develop thick skin so when somebody does pick on you or bully you, you can handle it. And maybe, just maybe even dish a little bit of it back out at them without having to result to such ridiculous levels of uh, built-up explosive payback because that's what happened in Columbine. That's still kind of the mindset of the shooter in Aurora, who evidently had some issues with certain types of medication as well. The answer to dealing with the struggles of life, boys and girls, it's not found in a bottle of pills prescribed or otherwise. And it's not found at the bottom of a bottle of anything containing alcohol either. The answer to dealing with life is learning how to toughen up, learning how to – Surround yourself with the kind of people who are going to be there to help you through those tough times. Build a circle of friends who are actually friends. Build a circle of allies who may not necessarily be your friends but who will be your allies, who have mutual uh, gain. Uh, If you're doing well, so are they. You build those type of circles around you, and you are clear and distinct and know the difference between the two so that when one of them lets you down, you're not so surprised by it. Make sure you know the difference. Then you're going to be in really good shape. You're going to be able to handle a lot of the curves that life is going to throw at you because that is life. That's what happens, boys and girls. And you know the really crazy thing is I know I'm looking in the chat room right now, and I know generally who the average listener to this show is, and I know I don't have to tell you that. But what I want to do, because we don't often have these conversations, we don't often say these words directly, we don't often remind people that sometimes the only love that's going to help your friends, your neighbors, your family is the tough love because if you baby them, you end up with snowflakes. If you coddle them to the point that they're not capable of standing on their own, you end up with people that need a cry closet in the middle of their safe space. And these people have to go to these cry closets because you said something that might have hurt the feelings of someone they know, not even their own feelings. I wish I was exaggerating when I said that, but that's not an exaggeration. This isn't me trying to make light of it. This isn't me trying to be funny. This is me just saying, oh, my gosh, that's where we're at. And a big part of that is because leftist ideologies and participation trophies instead of expectations have led to the complete and total incapability of some people to handle it when for the very first time they're criticized having expectations put on you, being criticized. These are things that need to happen to you early and rip that Band-Aid off so you can build up natural uh, antibodies to that kind of thing. You know how many times people tell me, send me messages, uh, even occasionally a death threat here and there, about how wrong I am, about how evil I am, about what a real SOB I am. And I look back and I, I think about the things I say and I'm probably one of the more Pollyanna-ish uh, conservative talk show hosts out there. <clears throat> I, I'm not out throwing a bunch of bombs. Now, every now and then I might get really worked up over something, but I'm not a bomb thrower. I'm not attacking people, and uh, the only name-calling I do is only in jest, and clearly so. But if people are that bothered by me, imagine what it must feel like if they hear somebody like a Dr. Savage… Or if they hear somebody like a Mark Levin when they just finally are fed up and say, hey,
1: you're big baby. Get over it.
4: <laughs> That's the world we're living in. These folks got to get it out. But as I was saying, I know I don't have to tell you, but we don't say these words out loud enough. We don't practice tough love enough so that folks can develop the skills they need to survive on their own, and we need to make sure that we're communicating this. We need to continue to say it. Not just to each other, but to other people out there that we see that know they need to hear it. All right, that's going to be it for the first hour. I hope everybody enjoyed it. I'm going to do the reset thing since the show does typically get divided in two
5: most places.
4: Although uh, it's still my understanding that uh, that the Friday show is played in its entirety as a two-hour block in great places like KYAH and – KDIL, plus it does still get split in half for WCET, so for you guys to make it a little easier, I'm going to go ahead and reset the hour, and so for the folks that are hearing the end of an hour-long broadcast, don't take my word for it, definitely don't take their word for it, be prepared to put in some effort, and more importantly, to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. For those of you who are here live, stay tuned, second hour starts right after this Meanwhile, this is Matt Fitzgibbons. Check out patriotmusic.com when you get the opportunity. And uh, like I said, for those of you who are here live, I'll be right back in just a few.
3: Fingers twitch just above the gun. Hear the wind cross the plain. There is no fear that I must contain, and I'm in the eye of earth. cross his brow, I'm poised to draw in eternal now, the fastest one is the one who's slain, I still stand, got the better rain, and I'm in the eye of the earth, i yeah. And I won't be ruled by the champion
4: Today's broadcast of Tap into the Truth Hope you're having a fantastic day Wherever you are and whatever you may be doing With all the usual caveats of course With you as always I am indeed Your ever so humble host Tim Tap Coming to you live from historic Rome County Tennessee and glad To have you here. Now naturally I do understand that An overwhelming majority of the folks That listen to this program And thankfully there are a lot Of you. Appreciate that guys. Thank you Most of you do not listen to the show live, however, so for the benefit of those of you who may be listening to a rebroadcast on one of many great radio stations that are kind enough to rebroadcast the show, or for those of you who may be listening via podcast, but if you're listening via podcast, you're getting the full two hours at one time, you've already heard this. But still, for the benefit of those who may be hearing the show over terrestrial radio, primarily, the time of the live broadcast right now, it is a January 17th. It is 2020. Just a few brief moments after 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, right now in the chat room, we've been back down just a little bit, but we still have Bigfoot, blogger extraordinaire. Check out his stuff over at bigfootsplace.blogspot.com. We've got Joseph Gibson hanging with us as well. Always great to have a fellow host in the chat room. Uh, Joseph is, of course, the host of Understanding the Times in Which We Live in Today. Say that 10 times fast. Or better yet, just go look it up over at uh, the blogtalkradio.com uh, platform, uh, put it in the search bar. Go listen to some of the archives and listen to the show live. It's usually a hoot, and then when it's not, it's a pull on hoot nanny. So <laughs> it's it's a southern thing, uh, and, and uh, it, it's usually a blast. He's got a great group of callers uh, almost all the time. Now, naturally, he has to deal with. When you are as interactive as he tends to be, he also has to deal with a great deal of um, – well, I think it's actually kind, referring to them as trolls, quite honestly. Some of them are up to all kinds of shenanigans, and he deals with it very, very well. I've got to give him – deals with it better than a lot of folks do. So uh, good job, Joe. Great show, and I highly recommend you check it out. We've also got Chief, host of Simple Facts of Life in here as well, and uh, you know I – I am very complimentary of Chief show on a regular basis for good reason. It's only 30 minutes, easy to digest, he changed up topics well enough, and the great thing is he's always discussing general philosophy. He's always laying out one of those very simple but often difficult to see through all the minusa we have to fight through today, very simple fact of life. Sometimes he'll use news of the day to circle around and make the point. Sometimes he'll talk about things that have happened uh, years, maybe decades ago. Sometimes he'll just lay it all out on the line. But even when you don't know for sure where exactly he's going or when it's clear from the beginning, it's always worth the ride. So check out Chief. You can uh, find him at uh, BTR as well. I've told you guys a bajillion times at this point, so if you're new to the show, just go to blogtalkradio.com. Go to the search bar at the top and put in simple facts of life. That will take you to his homepage, and from there you can hear everything in the archives. And if you want to catch him live, he's on just one time a week, so it's pretty easy. It's on Tuesdays. At 6 p.m. Eastern, you, of course, can adjust that to your time zone accordingly. Now, that's it. That's everybody in the chat room right now. Crazy Cajun took off on us. Excuse me. That one came up out of nowhere. Obviously, he has enough of my material for this week. But I'll take this opportunity to remind each and every one of you that we will be live simulcasting the Sunday show. Sunday's show starts at 3 p.m. Eastern. And if you are in the Columbia, South Carolina area, or if you are in the New Jersey area up around High Point, you can listen live, or you can go to WCETFM.com and listen live there. Now, there is a hand raise, and I'm actually reasonably certain that that might be Joe. I've got a few topics I want to get to, Joe, but I will bring you on for uh, just a few moments. As I always appreciate your uh, input. Uh, sir, go right oh,
1: ahead oh thanks Tim thanks tim i appreciate I appreciate the kind words also. I didn't know that you had still had some more topics to bring up, but uh I, that's what I basically wanted to talk about what you were, were talking about tonight, so if you want, I'll come back a little bit later and just hear you out and comment on those topics. but that was a great guest you did have uh I did want to ask her another question. I wanted to see if she knew about Sheriff Reims in Weld County, Colorado. I conversed with him a lot he's a, a staunch advocate against the uh, red flag laws actually and that he'd be willing to go to jail because he will not enforce them in the state of Colorado so uh, but anyway that's that's okay but I wanted to see if she knew about that and everything. I think Eagle County too actually the sheriff over there too uh, just will not enforce those red flag laws that the governor uh, signed on to uh, I think it was last year so uh, but that was a good topic though. that was a good guest you
4: had on Uh, Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Joe. And you know, the really great thing about what is going on in Colorado, and even to a degree that we've seen in Virginia, even though nothing has really went into effect there yet, we just have the threats from the Democrats there of what they want to do, and that is the fact that a lot of these sheriffs are being constitutional, and they're standing up and they're saying, hey, no, we're not going to do this. This isn't constitutional. Now I, I did notice after the fact in the chat room that you had uh, uh mentioned that the uh Army National Guard in Virginia told you that they would obey the governor. And,
3: and well that uh, is yeah. I the- sorry,
4: yeah. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, they did. I had I had a Army National Guard's been a sergeant, a recruiter from uh uh California actually, with a recruiter and another one say that if uh they were ordered to uh confiscate people's firearms, they would have to obey orders. And uh, because they obey the governor and the president. And then, you know, I had them actually live on my show. And uh, then we kind of corrected them on that. But but that's, you know, irrelevant. But I've just said, yeah, of course, you know, there are a lot of them that are have preconceived notions that they must obey all orders. And in fact, no, if it conflicts with the Constitution. No.
4: Yeah, Even worse than that, you go ahead and follow in the illegal order, especially if you're uh, among the enlisted. We'll see who actually takes the fall for that when justice makes its way back around (laughs) because the officers are going to be running in hiding, and the enlisted men will be the first ones on the chopping block. Following all orders, that argument hasn't worked since World War II. So, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But what's your take? I, what's your take, though, that governor did declare a state of emergency in Virginia? Uh, and uh, I actually had the NRA on my show earlier today. And uh, we talked about, you know, how they've been trying to fight, fight these new bills that are being proposed in Virginia. But what's your take on this? I mean, these it draconian laws that these uh, liberals are uh, now Putting forth now that they have control in a lot of areas, and you know, they have control in our House of Representatives and in the U.S. now. Um, what's your take on this? To this, something that we should be alarmed at, or, or, uh, or should we just continue fighting and staying in the course, or is this, you know, the draw the line time?
4: Well, yeah, I think it's really going to be up to the people of Virginia to fix things in Virginia, but it is definitely important for folks in South Carolina and Tennessee and, and then. And, basically everywhere across the country to pay attention and to offer our support for pro-Second Amendment action because, like I mentioned in the first hour, this is a template. This is another effort to try and take these steps, so whether you're talking about red flag laws in Colorado like we were just a little while ago or in Maryland that have ended horribly because I I think – I, I, the stats are looking, and I haven't checked this in a little while, so they may have changed. But the stats so far in Maryland has been for three out of every ten attempted gun compensation has ended up with at least one uh, police officer shot and then at least one civilian shot, and usually one of these Oh, my Wow! Wow! I didn't even know naturally, that the The media's trying to keep it quiet and if you're not uh if you're not paying close attention to these stats being reported at the national level uh then you wouldn't know it It's the same way you wouldn't have realized it for the past uh six years. Anti-Semitic attacks in New York have been going up and skyrocketing. There's a lot of folks who think that's a brand-new phenomenon, and it's been going on for a while now. But again, the media doesn't want to talk about it because the perpetrators don't fit the narrative, and and that still comes around being the biggest thing. We – I don't think we're to the point where we need to be – it's time to get our guns and roll – But I do think it's getting to the point where we need to send a clear, concise message to the gun-grabbing leftists who think they're past the tipping point and they can bully us that they still do not run this country. And as much as the the government itself has moved away from the Constitution and as much as you'll be laughed at in your face if you ask Nancy Pelosi about what authority under the Constitution she has… They need to be reminded that that is still supposed to be the the top law of the land and that we as Americans still expect to enjoy our liberties and freedoms as God granted to us. Amen. Amen.
1: Can't argue with that. Amen.
4: All right. Well, again, I thank you and appreciate the call. As always, uh, you uh, make great contributions. And uh, one more time, sir, go ahead and uh, plug your show real quick so everybody knows where to find you.
1: I appreciate it. It's called Understanding the Times in which we live in today, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Joseph Gibson. Like I said earlier, we did a show at 1230 p.m. today where I had the uh, NRA on there, spokesman from the NRA, and We went back and forth, and we also called the Capitol Police in Virginia and talked about the state of the emergency in Virginia and uh, several others. But uh, that's what we do. It's a great show. Hopefully uh, your listeners will try to tune in sometime. And uh, thanks, Tim. I appreciate it. I'll continue to listen. Thank you for the time.
4: All right. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Joe Gibson, host of Understanding the Times in Which We Live in Today. And uh, you know, usually Joe does this great thing where he – calls a lot of people's offices and and he's getting people on the line and he gets official spokespeople to, to make statements. Uh and sometimes I don't think they even realize that they're on the record, even when you tell them or they just underestimate the size of the audiences that are listening. And it's kind of funny that when you see some of these folks that don't realize that alternative media Uh, is the media that most Americans are going to these days. So you just have to get in front of the right folks. Uh, I I realize now, though, I didn't actually answer Joe's question about my thoughts about Northam declaring a state of emergency. Um, I did kind of hit on that earlier, uh, though, in the the bottom of the first hour. And bottom line there is I think that that is both, A, an overreaction – because he's afraid of what might happen uh, He he knows that uh, There are Antifa folks that are going to show up And let's face facts It doesn't matter what the Antifa folks say they're there for A lot of these folks They have a hard time not starting trouble That's really what they're in for um, I, I do think it was an overreaction Because I don't think it's going to get that way Most Second Amendment folks Most responsible gun owners Are relatively safe people <laughs> they respect their firearms they respect the power of their firearms and they understand the true damage that can be done with these things so you know that's it's i think it's a horrible overreaction but at the same time i also think that he's playing to his base and it was just a little bit of virtue signaling too uh, how much of it is of one as opposed to the other? I don't know. Only Governor Blackface – I mean Governor Northam can, – can answer that one for sure. But I'm sure what he'll actually tell you is I'm just seeking the safety of Virginians, and that's it. <laughs> I'm not buying it. <laughs> all right. Now, I do have some other topics I want to try to get to, and uh, <coughs> dang, all of a sudden I'm coughing from out of nowhere. So excuse me, guys. Sorry about that. Definitely do not want to be coughing directly in your ears over this. It can be a little loud. There's a couple of things I wanted to touch on. Uh, both of these are uh, culture war things. Although one of them plays directly into the land of the judicial. Uh, first, though, wanted to touch strictly. Uh, there was – This marvelous moment where some congressional testimony took place this week that uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about. So forgive me if you've heard about this already, but uh, Michael D. Schellensberg happens to be president of Environmental Progress. I know, I know, Environmental Progress. It sounds like one of those kind of groups. Well, listen, uh, Michael was – ripping far-left extremist rhetoric parroted by fringe activists like a foreign teenage girl Greta Thunberg and, of course, everybody's favorite socialist in the House, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It seems Michael was ripping uh, their parroted talking points during his testimony in front of the House Committee on Science, Space, and Technology on the science of – Climate change. So, without using their names specifically, uh, Schellensberg, uh, who is a regular contributor in some of America's largest publications, just FYI, places like the New York Times, the Washington Post, and Forbes magazine, uh, was uh, just, he ripped apart a lot of the extreme claims made by Ocasio Cortez and Thunberg. He began by highlighting his background, telling the committee, quote, I am an energy analyst, an environmentalist, dedicated to the goals of universal prosperity, peace, and environmental protection. Wow, even sounds like one of them, doesn't he? Between two thousand and three and two thousand and nine, I advocated for a large federal investment in renewables, many of which were made as part of the twenty I'm sorry, uh, part of the 2009 – or 2009, if you like – part of the 2009 stimulus. And since 2013, I have advocated for the continued operation of nuclear plants around the world and thus helped prevent emissions from increasing the equivalent of adding 24 million cars to the road. See, at this point, he's establishing his lefty creds. He's like, hey, I do care about the environment. I've looked at this and I'm out here. And the fact, see, the first clue he's not really one of them, though, is he talked about advocating for nuclear power, which, if you really want to go green, if you really want to end carbon emissions, just look at nuclear. You look at what the French have done, and we've talked about the French example before. The French have uh, done this cookie-cutter Henry Ford assembly line method to building nuclear power plants. They took an American nuclear power plant design, and then they just stamped it and made them identical. And there were reasons for that that work really well. Reason number one is they only have X number of people qualified to work in these facilities. And if for some reason somebody… Is no longer available to work. Then they may need to transfer someone from a different plant. Let's say they had three people covering a shift and they can get by with two people covering the shift, and we really need you to move from this city over to this city, maybe just for a few weeks, just so we can hire and train somebody. Yeah, you know, whatever we need to do. But guess what? Because it's cookie-cutter, because the layouts are identical, you might as well have never left. The only thing that's changed is the faces of the people who you're working with. Everything else is exactly the same. That's a great plan, and it works really well. Everybody talks about how expensive oil is in France, but at the end of the day, as far as what oil is used for for daily energy productions over there, next to nothing next to nothing they barely use the stuff they don't need petrol because almost everything's run on nuclear and guess how many times you've heard about horrific nuclear accidents i mean let's look at the biggest nuclear accidents that we've heard well there was one in three mile Island. oh wait i remember watching that documentary now where it was an origin story of wolverine where that was actually attacked by mutants Then they just covered up the story and said there was a meltdown. (laughs) I love those documentaries, don't you? No, uh, all kidding aside, we've got Three Mile Island. Happened here. Not actually horrific by any stretch and certainly nowhere near as bad as it could have been. Then we've got uh, in uh, Russia. We have the area out in the middle of nowhere. Had a big meltdown. Oh, wait. I remember watching the documentary. where That was actually the Transformers, wasn't it? I love those documentaries. Now, what I really love is how people who make these movies work this stuff in. So you got Chernobyl in case you didn't know what I was referencing, and Chernobyl was really, really bad, but it was a bunch of really, really badly run facilities where the Russians were not doing what they needed to do to take care of the facility, and they had people constantly trying to tell the… uh, the powers that be – that things had to change or something bad was going to happen. They kept getting ignored. They kept getting ignored, and then boom, next thing you know, HBO is making a miniseries about it. All right, and then uh, in Japan, Major Hurricane comes along, blasts the crap out of it, and Bob's your uncle. All right, a totally active God kind of thing. But again, things were so different there. All of these are outliers though. None of these countries relies that heavily on nuclear power for their daily power consumption. Where are they actually relying heavily on it? France. France is probably using more nuclear than anybody else in the world. Now, again, it's been a little while since I've looked at those stats. It's not something that's come up much. But the fact that this guy comes up in front of an American group of lefties a bunch of American greenies and says, Hey, you know what, I think nuclear is the way to go. That's your first clue. He's not really one of them. And by one of them I mean someone who's indoctrinated into the church of the Green New Deal. Someone who is so it's just so in love with the doctrine that they've they've brought into the dogma. It is the religion. It is their faith and they must save the world. And the only way to save the world is through solar and wind and maybe maybe geothermal, but that actually almost seems more reasonable than the others, so we don't like to talk about it. But but because of the war,
3: man, nuclear's bad. <laughs> okay.
4: So anyway, he continues <laughs> I gotta get back to this. <clears throat> he continues by saying, I also care about getting the facts and science. Right. Now, at that statement, if you didn't catch on that, the nuclear part is where he says, I'm not really one of you guys, this is where it's obvious to everyone listening into the room hey, this guy's an environmentalist, but he's not a wacko nut job. Congratulations. So he cares about getting the facts and the science right. I wish everyone did. He continues saying, I believe that scientists, journalists, and advocates have an obligation to represent climate science accurately, even if doing so reduces the uh, saliency of our concerns. He continued by saying, no credible scientific body has claimed climate change threatens the collapse of civilization, much less the uh, extinction of the human species. And yet… Some activists, scientists, and journalists make such apocalyptic assertions, which I believe contribute to rising levels of anxiety, including among adolescents, and worsening political polarization. Now, his remarks are apparently directed. Now, the reason I say apparently is because he doesn't call any of these folks out by name. Again, very diplomatic. Again, giving you every reason why nobody who's a member of the Church of the Green New Deal should be able to say, How dare you attack our high priestess? But it's clear he is making references to people like Greta Thunberg, who made a statement that we're at the beginning of a mass extinction. She did say that at the United Nations. How dare you? It's
3: the beginning of a mass extinction.
4: Clearly, also uh, taking a crack at AOC's little claim that we have 10 years left to plan and implement a Green New Deal before cataclysmic climate disaster. Of course, you know uh, triple word score on the use of cataclysmic for her. Good, that's a that's a big word for AOC. So we gotta give her props for that. <laughs> anyway. The good doctor continued by saying, my colleagues and I have carefully reviewed the science, interviewed the individuals who make such claims, and written a series of articles debunking them. He continued saying, in response, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change invited me to review its next assessment report, and HarperCollins will publish our research findings this June. While climate change may make some natural disasters more frequent and extreme, the death toll from extreme events could and should continue to decline, as it did over the last century by over 90 percent, even as the global population quadrupled. I'm going to stop there for a second, and I'm going to go back over that again because this goes to the very heart. Whenever Gregory Wrightstone is on with us, whenever uh, Dr. Tom is on with us, whenever I have had any climatologist or a geologist that focuses on climate change as a science with the false uh, accusations that are made, whenever any of them have come on, Dr. Tom Harris… Uh, And like I mentioned already, Gregory Wrightstone, and I'm trying to remember the name of the other guy who's been on a few times, and I can't. Sorry, Doc. Tim Ball. Tim Ball, that is his name. Uh, I I, I get credit for remembering now, right? Okay, so Tim Ball, Gregory Wrightstone. these folks, they've come out here, and they've said on a multitude of occasions, not just here but on multiple places, that everything that they claim is false because the stats even even the stats that are somewhat close to being accurate is a misrepresentation because they leave out important factors in that data that makes it clear that we have less to worry about from climate <laughs> climatic changes rather than more. Again, that's not me giving a green light, that's not them giving a green light to just ridiculous. We don't care about the earth. We'll do whatever we want. Doing our best, Eric Cartman. Uh whatever, whatever. I'll do what I want. No, no, that's that's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is that the high priest and priestesses of the church of the green new deal are trying to sell you an apocalyptic end When all you really need to do is pay attention and allow natural technology to continue to evolve. Let me read that section to you again before I uh, proceed. While climate change may make some natural disasters more frequent and extreme, the death toll from extreme events could and should continue to decline as it did  … over the last century by over 90%. Even when there were <clears throat> even when there were four times more people, there was a 90% drop off in fatalities from natural disasters. Well, why might that be? Well, let's look at it. First of all, we figured out, you know what? If you want to avoid certain natural disasters, I don't know, say like a hurricane, might be a good idea to limit your exposure to the uh, coastlines. No, we're not going to do that. No, we're not going to do that because there's some of the prettiest places on the earth. So, if you're not going to avoid those places, maybe we should change how we build our buildings, you know, make them more uh, sustainable. To That type of weather event, and uh, let 's figure out how maybe we can find ways to keep our electricity on through the use of generators and and have backup stores of water and food, and you know maybe even have some filtration systems available for long term survival and let 's increase our medical response and capabilities uh, far enough back from the coastal cities where Uh, We're not going to be as affected by it, but still close enough that we can provide sufficient aid. What do you say we actually look at the increased capabilities of meteorology and their predictive capabilities so that we have enough advanced warning that we can get out of the way of the really, really bad ones if we're smart enough to take that action? There's a lot of good reasons why humanity has been able to get wise to the extreme weather changes. So I, I really, really think that's a huge point because who else is telling you the fact, the fact? It's a statistical fact. It is out there. Who else is telling you, though? Who else is testifying in front of Congress that over the last century there's been a decline of human death from extreme weather that's been over 90 percent? I don't know of anyone telling you that. If if you know of somebody, let me know. Anyway, he continued at that point. Does that mean – I'm quoting again. Does that mean that we shouldn't worry about climate change? Of course not. Policymakers routinely take action on non-apocalyptic problems, and the risk of crossing unknown uh, tripping points rises with higher temperatures. It's important to note that this gentleman is not a climate change denier. Rather, he looks at what the science says and does not over-exaggerate scientific findings to advance a political agenda. That's what makes him dangerous to the people on the left that are trying to use the climate change hysteria I think actually is – a reasonable word to use there? The climate change hysteria to control you through the use of taxes and draconian laws. That's what they're looking to do. He doesn't want to push a political agenda. He wants you to see the facts so we can deal in a realistic fashion with what we're realistically facing. So i got to give him a hat tip for that. Uh, during the testimony, uh, testimony, he also noted that the most important measure that governments need to undertake in order to reduce climate change is the expanded use of nuclear energy. Back to the nuclear energy. And you got to know that the members, uh, at least of the American version of the Church of the Green New Deal, they're just cringing in their little hand-woven, uh, all-organic Argyle socks when they hear that. Boo! Nuclear power, it's scary It's okay for Iran to develop it It's way over there, but here I'm scared (sighs) Quoting once again Thanks in part to decades of public and private investment In fracking, natural gas is today cheap and abundant And thus needs little in terms of new public policy Solar and wind are popular But their inherent unreliability Large land use requirements and large material requirements means they make electricity expensive, have large environmental impacts, and are inherently limited in their capacity to replace fossil fuels. Now, listen, this guy's dropping truth bombs left and right, and I'm loving it. Uh, Continues saying uh, the U.S. invented nuclear energy for civilian use in the 1950s, and yet over three-quarters of new nuclear reactors globally are being built by the Chinese and Russians right now. Everyone recognizes that for the U.S. to compete in building nuclear plants abroad, we must build them at home, and yet electric utilities may close half of America's nuclear plants  … … over the next two decades, largely due to governmental regulations and the clamoring whining of the members of the Church of the Green New Deal. Solinger also – Salinger noted that uh, the following must happen in order to implement a green nuclear deal, which he noted is an important national security issue. It's important to national security. It's important to the economy, and it's important to the environment. Let's see what he says. First, there must be a significant program of domestic nuclear power plants construction to give U.S. firms the experience they need to compete abroad. Second, the president must be directly involved in selling foreign leaders on U.S. technology just as President Eisenhower did in the 1950s and as President Uh, Thing and Putin are doing Today I'm not big on uh, Having China And Russia being the best examples Of tech use these days But anyway, third The US must offer competitive financing For such foreign plant Construction And fourth, the construction of nuclear plants Abroad must be centralized Under one or two entities At most as the U.S. did with General Electric and Westinghouse in the 1950s, and as China and Russia are doing with their state-owned firms today. So anyway, he makes the big speech that not only is it a case where the U.S. should be working more on our own nuclear, but that it would be a boon to the economy because we still clearly have the best designs. We have the best technology and the best scientists when it comes to utilizing nuclear power it would be a boom to the economy if we were out there building plants for other countries if we were bringing the magic of electricity through nuclear power to the masses around the world you know elevating elevating the quality of living in other countries possibly giving them the reason and the rationale to stay at home and fix whatever problems they have there instead of all trying to run here yeah, just just throwing that out there. Uh, Chief in the chat room says, you don't think we'll be extinct next week? How dare you? <sighs> uh, now I'm sneezing, guys. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, you don't think we'll be extinct next week? How dare you? I know, I know. All right, so we're a little bit past the halfway point of the hour, and I'm probably not going to sneak in all three uh, stories I'd hoped for today, but I, I am Going to sneak in the Edwards Notebook and Songs and Stories for Soldiers and Veterans Tip of the Day. said so I didn't get to the Veterans Tip of the Day last hour, I'm gonna make sure that I play it this hour. But not until after Ron Edwards and the Edwards Notebook. You guys don't go anywhere. I will be right back.
5: It's pretty darn bad to be lied to by FBI agents who convince you to cooperate with them concerning a legal matter. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook. Former General Michael Flynn had worked with FBI officials who were investigating his former business partner, Bijan Rafikian. Flynn ended up pleading guilty on December 1st, 2017, to making false statements to the FBI during an interview on January 24th, 2017, regarding his contacts with Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislyak. As part of his plea deal, Flynn met numerous times with the special counsel's office as part of the Hillary Clinton paid-for Russia probe. The false statements made were proven not to be purposeful, but rather the wrong answers to questions during an FBI probe that was itself tainted from the beginning. Flynn wanted to make a few corrections, after which prosecutors wanted to throw General Flynn into the clink and no longer want his testimony. Prosecutors are now gunning for General Flynn to serve up to six months of incarceration. Here's hoping that those who first put the Clinton-paid-for Russia probe will themselves face justice. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.talkspot.com for news updates and other great stuff. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition.
7: This is Dan Perkins with your songs and stories for soldiers. Veterans Tip of the Day. Did you know that 1 in 10 veterans in America are homeless? Studies show that the veteran population is two times more likely to become chronically homeless than other American groups. So do something about it. Here's your Veterans Tip of the Day. If you know a homeless veteran, speak to them about going to the nearest VA facility for help. You could offer to take them there. Also, they can call 877-4-AID-VETS. That's 877 4 aid to speak to a counselor. We here at Songs and Stories for Soldiers are helping veterans in our community with the Sanibel Shoes and Socks for Homeless Veterans. More information can be found at Songs and songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us website. Contact your local VA facility to find the closest veteran's homeless shelter to see how you can help. During this Christmas season, helping the homeless veteran is the greatest Christmas gift you can receive. This is Dan Perkins with your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day.
4: All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am back. Thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. Uh, (laughs) I had a bit of a chuckle from the chat room as uh, Chief Chief told me that my sneezing is a result of climate change, and I'm sure he's right. (laughs) I think it's actually more a result of weather change, and how dare you? How dare you, Chief? Uh, help to confuse further our poor leftist uh, friends and neighbors who don't yet understand the difference between the weather and climate. I I say how dare you because I know that you do know the difference. We've even had that conversation once. Anyway, uh I was so close getting ready to hit these buttons, and you wouldn't have uh, even heard me sneeze, and yet it just snuck up on me so quickly, and I instinctively turned away. (laughs) I couldn't help it. So I'm sorry, guys. I apologize again. Uh, Hopefully it's no big deal, and we can move on. Now let's see. I've got about – kind of about 10 minutes here or so before I have to do the usual rundowns. So I'm going to get into this story, and then I'm going to try to – Give the regular clothes out and see if I can go fast enough if I'm making – maybe sneak in one more little thing. So the culture war has finally hit the courts, and this I think is probably going to be a bigger deal because I doubt the left is going to let it stand, and I doubt all the leftist black robes activist judges are going to allow it to stand. But the culture war has hit the courts, and in a federal appeals panel, they have rejected at least for now the use of preferred transgender pronouns. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. In case you had not heard, this past Wednesday, a divided panel of the New Orleans-based U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, they ruled two-to-one that a transgender litigant, a biological male who suffers from gender dysphoria and subjectively feels like he's a female, cannot require a court to address him using female pronouns. Now – I want you to take a second and realize that here is what is at stake. Well, actually, it's not what's at stake. It's what has transpired to this point. In order for this ruling to be necessary, it means that somewhere someone, who we'll get to in a minute, decided that they, as a matter of human dignity, must demand that the court... Acknowledge the person he perceives himself to be more so than the person that he actually physically is. And it was required to go to the appeals court, and the appeals court uh, looked at this and said, "Eh, no, no, sorry. Now, this will probably be appealed yet further, and at some point, that's when stuff is uh, at stake. Because if the courts decide to start playing into this notion that we have to play along with the fantasies of people who are suffering from mental disorders like gender dysphoria, then what we're really going to end up having is, again, no more free speech. There'll be no protected speech. There'll only be protected people. Now, the left's been pushing this notion on us for a while, and they've been trying here and there a nudge, a push, uh, occasionally a brick to the back of the head. They don't care who among us gets hurt. If we stand up, if we say, I'm not playing into this fantasy, they tell us that we're evil, bigoted, ununderstanding, heartless SOBs. which actually is a pretty accurate depiction of me, a good description, but not for this. (laughs) At the end of the day – and I say that a lot, don't I? But at the end of the day, uh, this really comes down to the dignity of the court. There is no lack of human dignity in referring to a biological man as he, him, his. None. None. That is the pronoun that is appropriate based on the English language and based on the societal norms. Ooh, societal norms. We have to fight that. No, maybe you ought to pay attention to how it became a societal norm. Maybe you should pay attention to the societies in which normalized behavior allowed us to flourish and then look at the societies that fell apart and look at what kind of things took place and became the societal norms before they self-imploded. And if you take a look, if you use history as a tool to anticipate, then perhaps you can uh, get ahead of the curve instead of acting like this is progress because this type of behavior is really just a continuation of stepping back towards the collapse of Rome. You It used to be a really big thing back in the day, the Roman Empire. If you haven't heard of it, Google it. If you're interested after you Google it, do some real research, and you might actually discover little things like the fact that they had once been a very – a very focused and a very disciplined empire. The citizens believed in a certain set of things, and it it wasn't based on a a morality thing at all because they changed religions like they changed clothes. They would conquer a new people. They'd adopt a new religion. They they weren't – uh, disciplined in that fashion, but they were disciplined to the rule of law, which of course at that point was an emperor, so a little different than our situation. But it wasn't until the Senate had more power than the empire, and it wasn't until wealthy Romans decided to live in the most decadent, hedonistic fashions that eventually uh, a complete and total lack of personal morality was the except. Establishment. There were no rules. They fell in the chaos, and then they fell out of empirehood. Rome is nothing more than a city in Italy now. Sure, the Vatican's nearby, but you know, still, you get what I'm saying. Once it stretched the entire known world, now it's just a city, one place, just Rome. Huge nothing. What happened? People started acting like we're acting here in the United States today. Guys, pay attention. Anyway, back to the details here. Uh, This particular case, U.S. versus Varner, uh, pitted Reagan nominee judge Jerry E. Smith and Trump nominee judge S. Kyle Duncan in the panel majority against Clinton nominee judge James L. Dennis.  … as the lone dissenter. Now, why do I point these out? I seem to recall not too long ago, uh, having been lectured by a Supreme Court's justice, that we don't have Obama judges or Trump judges or Bush judges. I kind of think we do because if you pay attention to who nominated who and how they normally rule, there seems to be more political thought than actual rule of law thought. Anyway… The uh, Clinton nominee was the lone dissenter, and uh, what made the opinion particularly fascinating was the fact that uh, Duncan's majority opinion used male pronouns. In other words, saying, "Uh, no, we're not playing your game, and we're not even going to play your game in our opinion decision. Whereas, of course, Dennis's dissent used the female pronouns. I think you two guys are wrong, and you're bullies, and I'm going to treat this person the way they want to be treated. I don't care if it could potentially be hazardous to health issues, medical concerns, or in this case, legal concerns. Because this space backs, if we write everything in this case directed towards a female and then dude suddenly comes out of his gender dysphoria, decides he was happy being a guy again, and then none of it applies to him anymore. So what's the point of having the court, right? So in order to be clear about this, I think the best thing to do is to use the appropriate pronouns, be very specific about who the individual is, and just make sure that it's clear in the opinions what the person wants. That way it's quite clear how it's written that it applies in both situations. Alas, The latest and most – well, the latest, anyway, headline-grabbing front of our ceaseless culture war has fully hit the federal judiciary, sadly. So the highlighted – as highlighted, I should say, as highlighted by legal blogger extraordinaire and Ethics and Public Policy Center President Ed Whelan. Uh, he wrote a piece over at the National Review uh, called Bench Memos. Uh, it's a blog over there. Uh, Duncan's majority opinion provided three distinct reasons for denying the plaintiff Varner's motion for the use of female pronouns when addressing him. Now, this coming directly from the opinion. First, no authority supports the proposition – That we may require litigants, judges, court personnel, or anyone else to refer to gender dysphoric litigants with pronouns matching their subjective gender identity. Second, if a court were to compel the use of particular pronouns at the invitation of litigants, it could raise delicate questions about judicial impartiality. Increasingly, federal courts today are asked to decide cases that turn on hotly debated issues of sex and gender identity. In cases like these, a court may have the most benign motives in honoring a party's request to be addressed with pronouns matching their deeply felt inherent sense of gender. Yet in doing so, the court may unintentionally convey its uh, tax approval. Of the litigants' underlying legal proposition or position, I should say. Third, ordering use of litigants' preferred pronouns may well turn out to be more complex than the, at first it might appear. One university has created this widely circulated pronoun usage guide for general dysphoric persons. All this is just a fancy way of saying no one should be compelled, not by the authority of the court, not through the force of government, to engage in someone else's fantasy. Everyone still agrees when you are talking about gender dysphoria, it is a mental disorder. Now, that is not the same thing as folks suffering from gender confusion, although gender confusion can eventually uh, become gender dysphoria, but gender dysphoria is a mental disorder, whereas you simply do not feel like your body is the appropriate body for you. Some are even moved to mutilate themselves in order to more attain the body image that they suspect they should have. One of the first things that mental health Professionals will tell you when it comes to people who are suffering from a delusion, is that if you play into the delusion, you're only likely to make things worse. I fail to see. Now, granted, I am not a healthcare professional. I'm not a uh, medical doctor slash psychiatrist. I'm not a trained uh, psychologist. I've spent a lot of time talking to some folks who are, and and I've drawn my own conclusions based on my own readings, readings of some of these professionals, and conversations I've had with professionals on the topic. And and I I do not see a significant difference between playing into the fantasies of someone suffering from a horrific mental break and playing in with the fantasies of someone suffering from gender dysphoria. The truth of the matter is… Uh, At the end of the day, as an American, I think you you should be allowed to do you, but you should not compel me to go along with the fantasy you have uh, through the courts or through the force of government. I should not be forced to have to comply with your Uh, self-image. It's it's not reasonable, and it does not provide for liberty for me as an individual, and and when my liberty is infringed upon… Your liberty is threatened, whether you recognize it or not. Even if you want to infringe upon my liberty in the name of your freedom, if if your liberty comes at my liberty's expense, then we have a greater issue. So the fact that the court said, no, we're not going to do this, it's it's kind of a big deal because the courts are under pressure… To go along with this kind of thing Now Duncan of course Inserted the pronoun usage Guide for the gender dysporic Persons at that point uh, In the uh, reading and I'm not Going to go through that but it's uh, Borrowed excuse me it's borrowed From the LGBTQ plus research Center at the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee and you can Probably just plug that into Your Google machine and find it if you're So inclined to look it up feel free To Um Or not. Your choice. Liberty! It's great. Uh, So this, of course, is a colorful five-by-nine matrix. Uh, It is potentially confusing to say the least. And as Duncan noted when including it, saying, quote, and deploying such uh, neologisms could hinder – Communication among the parties and the court, meaning that if you're allowed to choose what pronouns you want and there's four or five different uh, litigants involved in the case and they all have a different one, uh, then it can get real confusing just trying to write it, let alone talk to these people. So it doesn't make sense. This is a case where having a binary choice really does. Duncan then referenced New York City's regulation that prohibits intentional or repeated refusal to use pronouns including them, them, theirs, or z hair. <laughs> After a person has made clear uh, what their preferred pronouns are, as an example of the point that when local governments have sought to enforce pronoun usage, they've had to make refined distinctions – Based on matters such as the types of allowable pronouns and the intent of the misgendering offender. <sighs> so legal speech, legal speech, where Duncan ultimately ends up concluding by saying courts would have to do the same. We decline to enlist the federal juris, <laughs> the federal your uh, see in this undertaking now i am i'm i'm i'm, I'm stutter here because i'm trying to get a little further ahead because uh, i'm trying to see how much more i can include because i'm running out of time quickly uh so let me just get back to let me get back to this i've got fewer than 4 minutes left At the end of the day what has happened is the court for now says no, the court is not going to be forced to use preferred pronouns, and I think that's a good first step towards acknowledging that the average American should not be forced to use a preferred pronoun and certainly should not be treated as a criminal if they don't even know that they have misgendered someone… Uh, Yeah, it can hurt your feelings, but guess what? This is America, so toughen up, buttercup. Freedom of speech is one of the guaranteed rights we're supposed to have, and guess what? The proper application of freedom of speech guarantees that at some point in your life, maybe multiple points, you will be offended. The question is how do you deal with having been offended? Do you rise up? Do you make your case? Do you walk away? Say, it's not worth it. Whatever, dude. All of which are reasonable under certain circumstances. That... (laughs) I'm going to cough up a lung. That is going to have to be where I leave it at tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so very much for being here. As always, I appreciate it, and I really, really do. Thanks to everybody who's listening to the various podcast uh, platforms. Uh, Thanks to everybody who's listening, uh, particularly at the uh, terrestrial radio sites. And thank you, especially the folks who take the time to come here live and listen in as I ramble on the microphone uh, for a little while. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you being here. Uh, I want to give shout-outs also to Annie, the radio chick. You, Bellas, host of Southern Sense Talk Radio. Check her out at southern-sense.com. Uh, Don Smith over at the Don Smith Show. Her, uh, her, him, and Brenda both do a great job over there. And, uh, of course, uh, check out Chief's stuff over at Simple Facts of Life. Do not forget to go to bigfootplace.blogspot.com. Do not forget to go to patriotmusic.com. Also, don't forget to check out uh, Understanding the Times in which we live in today. (sighs) Don't forget to uh, listen to the the Ron Edwards experience. Uh, Just don't forget anything, okay? Do better than me because I'm forgetting a bunch of stuff right now. (laughs) Anyway, love you guys. Really do. Remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and more importantly, to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. That's it for now. Come back Sunday where we will not only be doing it live here, but we will be simulcasting through South Carolina and New Jersey and worldwide at WCETFM.com. I'm out. Good night, guys.